So, let's go ahead and jump into the message. Let's finish up our Sermon of the Mount series as we've been through all of it. We're kind of finishing it up. Jesus is wrapping it up here as well. And so, as, as most of you know, as you're teaching and as you're sharing some of these things, these are the things that Jesus wants to leave us with. These are the things that, after all the teaching and all the things, he's wrapping it up. And he's going, okay, guys, this is it. This is the final thing. This is the last things that you're going to hear in this message. And, and it's very important that we catch that. So, we're going to be working. Working on on week 12, I've entitled this section of this uh, message to be, It's Time to Make a Decision. It's basically Matthew 7, 21 through 29. Let's pray. Father, um, we love you and God, I need you. God, obviously my throat and is, is a little raspy, sounds like I swallowed a frog, and so I need your help to be able to get through this. Not that I don't always, but even more so this morning. God, I pray that you would touch me and help me, that you would anoint me, that, Father, you would help me to share the things that you would want me to share as we wrap this series up, as we close this portion uh, of your word up today. God, I pray that you would just help me to share the things you want me to share in the way that you want it to be shared. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, 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 the section that we're looking at, of course, is Matthew 7, 21 through 29. And so basically Jesus begins this portion of the Sermon on the Mount by talking about something very, very important. And so in your notes, we're going to start by looking at these choices. Each of the points is, is a choice that we're going to have to make as God kind of wraps all this up. And the first choice we need to look at is the choice between saying and doing. Look at Matthew 21 through 23 with me. This is what it says. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, this is a big deal. This is an interesting thing. As Jesus, again, is wrapping up this portion of, of this, this teaching, which he knows, obviously, is going to go into to basically the history books as one of the greatest messages ever preached by anybody. And so he's wrapping it up, and he starts with this concept in this section of basically saying, hey, listen, just because you claim me, just because you say something, doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to know who you are. And when I've read this before, it's, it's kind of one of those scriptures where you look at it and you go, oh man, this is, this is where Jesus is kind of like going, okay, here's a spade and here it is. I'm going to really put it out there and say, this is important that you catch this. Now, to understand this idea, concept of Lord, Lord, and why that matters, this is bigger than just saying Lord. A lot of times in this time when somebody would say Lord, he was kind of like a way to say sir, or a way to kind of show respect. But when Jesus says these individuals are saying Lord, Lord, this is a greater understanding. This is basically them basically telling Jesus that he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is more than just a sir. He is, if this makes sense, the guy. So they're expressing this to him. They're saying, Lord, Lord. They're calling him. They're saying these things. But what's interesting about this portion of scripture is we see that Jesus looks at them and says, listen, you got to go. I don't even know who you are. Now, why is that? Why do we see this? Well, Jesus explains very clearly. He says, listen, I don't know you because you are an evildoer. You are doing evil things. That's how he closes this. He says, I never knew for you, you're workers of lawlessness. Other translations say evildoers. 
Basically, what Jesus is trying to help us understand here is there's a difference between just saying something and actually doing something. And you go, well, wait, 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 wait. Didn't, didn't these guys do all these great, amazing things? Yeah. Yeah. So what is this all about? What is Jesus trying to get us to understand? Listen. I think what Jesus is wanting us to understand is this is a daily walk that we have with him. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just on Wednesday night prayer. It's a constant walk with Jesus where we're understanding that what we do matters. Not just what we say. Now listen, it's important that we speak. It's important that we communicate those things. It's important that we speak out that we believe. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that your life and your words have got to line up. Because if they don't, Jesus is going to say to you, I don't know who you are. It's very easy to say things. It's sometimes much harder to back them up. We love, as as Christians, we're great. Listen, hear my heart on this. We're wonderful talkers, aren't we? But when the rubber meets the road, how good are we at backing that up? Sometimes we do a good job. Sometimes we don't. And so Jesus here is wanting us to see that. He's wanting us to understand that. He's wanting us to look not just at what we say, which is important, but how we live. How we live. And that's an important concept to understand. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, even though we may do great and mighty things, Jesus says, hey, listen. I don't know who you are. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, and this is what he says in chapter 2, verse 19. He says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Okay? Must turn away from wickedness. Unfortunately, what we like to do, let's just kind of be honest, is we kind of like to, we kind of like to keep our toes dabbled in the wickedness, if that makes sense. We want to, we want to, we want to claim Jesus. We want to claim the promises of Jesus, but we kind of like to have that toe there, just in case. And Paul says, no, no, this is a turning away. This is is a turning from those things. In 1 John, we see this. And in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus lived. Yeah. It's easy to say it. It's hard to do it. And look, I don't tell you that so that you walk out of here going, oh man, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Look, 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 here's the the thing. None of us really are doing a great job in this. We all need to do better, every single one of us. And what we need to understand in these moments where things become almost overwhelming is that we go to God and we say, listen, God, I want to walk in righteousness. I want to stop doing these things, but I need your help to do that. And God says, I've been waiting for you to come. Come on, I'll help you. I'll walk with you. I'll guide you. I'll be a part of this. 
So listen, this is not, oh my goodness, woe is me. This is understanding our weakness and going to our God who invites us to come and is strong. But listen, we don't want to just be sayers of stuff. We want to actually do it. Not just in the moment. Not just in the, it's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But Thursday at 7 a.m., okay? Friday at at 4 o'clock when you're getting ready to leave work and the boss plops a whole bunch of work in front of you and the last thing you want to do is have a good attitude. At that moment, you don't want to do it. You just just want to get angry and you want to get mad. but, But instead, you don't because of what God is doing inside of you. God's forming you and shaping you. But Jesus is very clear on this. He's very clear. He says, listen, I never knew you. The question here that we really sometimes need to ask ourselves is this. How are we living our lives? Are we living our lives in a way that God will say, yes, I see you. I know you. I recognize you. Or because of the way we live, does Jesus say, I'm not sure who you are? Next. A story that I remember singing about, that most of us sang about when we were very young. Number two, the choice between two Foundations. Look at Matthew 7, 24. Most of you remember this song as when we were little kids, we would sing it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not, will, uh, does not do them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And, the, and does them. Did I say does not? I might not. I'm not sure. Anyway, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, let's clarify, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, then the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Okay, everybody remember, we're going back to children's church, we're going back to Sunday school... Remember it? The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Was that right? Am I doing it right? What's, what's crazy, and I know some of you understand this, it has become longer and longer and longer since I was a child. And as much as I'm trying to stop that process, it refuses to stop. And you know, you had the motions. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came a-tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods come up. Okay, everybody's going to sit there and want a snack now, I'm sure. You know. And the house on the sand went splat. And the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And it stands firm. Okay? But here's the thing. Now, now that we're no longer in kids' church... And that's a great song, and it's a song that we've always sung, and it's a beautiful song, and it's a great reminder. But I have a question for you. What's the foundation? Yes, the foundation is Jesus, and I get that. But there is a a little thing here that we need to look at. Because you see this, and you understand what Jesus is saying here, we see two men. Both men hear God's word. Both men hear what Jesus is saying. One does it, and one doesn't. So what's the foundation? The foundation is simple. The foundation here that we need to understand and look at is the foundation of obedience versus the foundation of disobedience. How do you build your house on the rock? 
You obey what Jesus has asked you to do. You do what he said for you to do. In Luke 6.46, another kind of looking at this uh, Sermon on the Mount, he says this, So why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? How do you build your house on a foundation? You're being obedient to what God's asked you to do. Now, you've got to remember something, okay? Okay? When you have a foundation, how many of you, one of the things that we used to do as a kid, I remember when my mom and dad, every once in a while, not very often, of course, they would build a house. Okay? I remember when we built the house that basically I lived in from third grade till after high school. Okay? And I remember we were building that house, and we would go to the house to watch it being built. We would go every other week or something like that. And I remember they would start, and they would dig a hole, and they'd dig a big old hole in the ground. And then what would they do? They'd lay a basement or a foundation. Now, here's what's interesting about the foundation. If you didn't get there before they started framing the house, you probably wouldn't be able to see much of the foundation. It was covered. It was underground. It was kind of basically one of those things that you knew was there, but you couldn't see it. And so it's been placed there. Then they would build the frame. And I remember how great it was. You'd walk in, you know, and it wasn't finished yet. But he's like, here's my room, and here's the kitchen, and here's... I'm always, that was always so much fun. I always loved that. But then eventually the house would get done. And living in the Midwest, you would need that basement, I remember many times where we would be uh, asleep or doing something and, and a siren would go off and we'd all get up and we'd go down to the basement and we'd wait out the storm. We would make sure that we were safe. What's interesting about foundations is you build on top of them and you really don't know they're there. You really don't think about them until the storms hit. Then you know how great it is to have a foundation. I went and lived in Albuquerque for 15 years. It blew me out of the water. They didn't have basements. I'd come into somebody's home. I'd be like, where's your basement? And they're like, what? We don't, we don't have a basement. Well, why not? It's the desert, man. We don't need basements. But you know what's interesting? They still would lay a slab of concrete. They knew how foolish it would be to build without a strong foundation. Even more so in Albuquerque, you wouldn't know it was there until it actually would rain <laughs> or you would get a storm. And then you were so glad. You see, here's what's interesting about this concept that Jesus is sharing with us. You, everything's fine in both men's lives until the storms hit. You get what I'm saying? Okay? Everything looks the same, everything looks good, everything seems good, everything is alright, and then the storms hit. Okay? Both men have heard God's word. Both men have heard what Jesus is saying. But only one man actually did it and was able to build that foundation. So when the storms hit, everything stood firm. But the man who didn't do those things, everything went splat. Here, here's, here's an interesting thing. You can tell very easily the type of foundation a Christian has when everything, the storms really hit. When the storms really begin to come and the wind really begins to blow, we really begin to see if someone has been able to take God's word, hear it, and apply it to their lives. 
It's very interesting. That was cool. It's very interesting to understand that. So what's your foundation like? Are you not just hearing God's word, but are you doing it? Are you allowing that obedience to come through? Are you allowing those things to change you and, 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 and do that? Look at James 1, 22 through 25. It says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you hear, then God will bless you for doing it. The ability to let God's word and let his truth and let his his, his call and desire for your life to be what you build your foundation on. Can, I, can we talk about something that, that kind of goes along with this and, and, and it's kind of been on my heart recently, okay? I have found that more and more and more and more people, um, and, and, and I'm going to talk about the church for a minute, Okay? Because I know sometimes we, we can, I want to clarify that, because I know where people's minds can go, and they go, oh, well, yeah, people that don't know Jesus. And, and yeah, I agree with that. But I want to specifically talk about people here that, that, that have heard God's word, because I think that's important that we catch that, okay? It, it appears, and, and you could look at both sides of the coin here, okay? And I recognize that. But it appears through the context of what Jesus is sharing from 21 throughout here, as he kind of brings this to a close, that he's seemingly talking also to Christians. Okay? He's not just talking to people that don't know him, but he's specifically mentioning things and people that, as Christians, we need to pay attention to. And it appears that, and I know that for some of you that know a little bit more about what's been going on recently, um, you know, this isn't just something that's been, been recent, but it, it just seems to have picked up steam uh, recently in the last couple of weeks, is, is there seems to be more and more Christians that, that are not putting their foundation in the right things. They're not... They're, they're allowing other things to be your foundation. And, and one of the things I think that can be so... Such an unbelievable deceptive trick of the enemy is this concept that um, you have a good foundation when you really don't. And, 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 and there's such a deceptive nature of the enemy. He, he's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. But he kind of gets you to feel like, oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm safe. I'm, I'm fine. It's, it's kind of like we were talking about the, the, the false prophets last week. This, 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 this understanding, this, this kind of false self-security and then everything hits the fan and everything falls and then people begin to even doubt the basis of of our faith and and of our understanding listen i'm not here to throw rocks at anybody i'm only here to talk about my life and, and and people that god has placed under my care hear me we put our faith and our truth and our trust in Jesus 
and Jesus alone. Period. If you are putting your foundation on something else, when a big enough storm hits, your world will collapse. It will. Jesus spoke very clearly. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And I've heard a lot recently about this concept of my truth. Hear me here. Your truth, as valuable as it is, is nothing more than shaken sand. And when storms hit, it will collapse. Your truth is not going to sustain you. And I would be a bad pastor and not really love you if I wasn't willing to tell you that. Now, you can argue with me. You can fight with me all you want. But Jesus is our foundation. Not just hearing, but obeying. He is our foundation. And we need to understand that. We need to pray for those that are struggling with that right now. Not condemn them and not throw rocks at their head. But be praying for them. Because it is a hard moment in this world when your life, especially your life, if you feel like you had a foundation and it was a lie and it crumbled. In that moment, as a family of God, we need to wrap our arms around people and love them just like God would. Doesn't mean we, we look at them and say what you're saying is right and okay. But we have to make sure where our foundation is. It's not on me. And it's not on the worship. It's not on, it is on God and the truth of his word. Period. Okay? Because I don't want, I don't want, listen, storms are going to hit, folks. They are hitting for some of us. And I want our houses to stand firm. Because we have our foundation in the right place. Because we've heard God's word. We heard Jesus' teaching. And we obeyed it. Again, 1 John 2, 3-6. I put it here because it just fits so well, and I wanted to read it again. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living for him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus lived and stand on that firm foundation. Number three, as we kind of close it up, the choice between Jesus being a moral teacher, just a moral teacher, or Lord. So Jesus finishes this up with this understanding of of the house falling uh, and, and a great fall. And then he stops. And this is what it says in verse 28. It says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So here we are. We are, we are, we, 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 we are technically, as we finished, you know, basically, as we finished uh, verse 27, we have finished the The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has finished speaking and now he is quiet. And now it has been left to us to respond to what he's been said, what has been said. And and here's how the people there, they respond with astonishment. Why? Because he has an authority that others don't have. 
So Jesus stops speaking. And now the final choice has been brought to us. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, as you look at the teachings and the things that are held within it, if you brought people that, especially if if they didn't know, okay, because sometimes, unfortunately, people will allow their misconceived ideas of Jesus and God to cloud their understanding. But if you brought some 100 people into a room and you sat them down and you begin to share with them the ideas and the thoughts and and the, 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 the things that Jesus brings forth in the Sermon on the Mount, I guarantee you most of them, if not all of them, would think that is wonderful. Yes, those are good things to live by. Those are great things. There's been discussions, and I, I looked at some of the things as I was studying to kind of bring this all to a close, and, 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 and there's been um, Muslim professors and, and atheists and, and, and people of different religions and different backgrounds, and, 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 and they've talked about the Sermon on the Mount. And when they talk about it, it's unbelievable the reverence they give it in the, the amazement that they have. And wow, and if we could just do this, then wow, what a world that we would live in. But the final choice that Jesus gives us is a choice where we have to decide, is this just the ramblings of one of the most amazing moral teachers this world has ever seen? Or... Is this how to live a Christian life according to our Lord and our Savior? That is the final choice. Because here's the thing. What we've learned and what we've seen in those last several verses is to be amazed is not enough. To say you're amazed is not enough. To appreciate the brilliance and literally the brilliance of what Jesus has just shared. I can't remember exactly because I, I, I haven't seen it in a little while. But it's something like, I think they said the Sermon on the Mount probably took Jesus about six minutes or so, I think. Maybe a little six to eight. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. A very short amount of time to communicate the truths that we've just spent the last 12 weeks looking at. And oh, by the way, if we really want to get crazy, we could probably take this through Christmas. We won't. Nobody you know, freak out. But we're, we could. That's the depth here that Jesus has given. I was trying so hard. I was like, okay, I know we can make this two weeks. Let's try to make it one because I don't want people like at Halloween to be like, when are we going to be done? The truth and the depth here, guys, is unbelievable. And he shares it in six to eight minutes. And it's incredible. The question becomes... The question that we really have to answer is who is he? Who is this man? Who do we really believe he is? Because here's the thing and here's what we got to understand. It's, it's easy, it's simple to look at him and go, that, that moral teaching is unbelievable. It's a completely different thing to understand that Jesus is Lord. But it's a choice that we all have to make. It's a choice that we all have to decide. And really, that's the final choice. Because here's what happens. I guarantee you, there were people that heard this, that experienced this firsthand, and all they did was walk away going, wow, that was really something. And they went off. And they never allowed it to change who they are. 
and they never understood who really Jesus was. And there were others who were, yes, amazed, but also said, this is not just a man. This is somebody that's greater. And here's what's cool. Even as we see this kind of close, Jesus helps them to see that. He claims who he is. He does it in a way that sometimes people miss, but it's something that we need to understand. Because here's the thing. As we go back to verse 21, this is what it says. Look at it. Not everyone who says to me, Jesus here is identifying himself that one day we're all going to stand in front of him. We're all going to give an account. We're all going to have that moment. He says at the end of verse 20, uh, or in, uh, the, at verse number 23, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You see, a lot of times we read the Sermon on the Mount. We, we, we look at the moral teaching, but we don't want to remember the fact that at the end of all things, we will stand before him. We will have that conversation where our lives are looked at and that it would be Jesus that we're standing in front of. And I know in my own life and the way I am and the way I live and that there are going to be some things that that Jesus is going to bring up that I'm not going to be real proud of. And, and, and things that I'm still working on and things that I need God to do in me. But at the same time, because I've given my life to Him and because I've, I've surrendered my life, even though I'm still not perfect and even though I, I'm forgiven. Has there ever been a couple of more beautiful words strung together in the history of mankind. I'm forgiven. Because without those words, without the truth, everything is lost. Everything. Because none of us are righteous. None of us could stand before Jesus one day and say, hey dude, I'm good. And so we have to make that decision. We have to decide who Jesus really is. And what's interesting is, is as he concludes, whether it's six or eight minutes, who cares? But he, he concludes some of the most powerful words ever spoken in under ten minutes' time. And the question for the hearers there is the same as the question is for us today. Who is this man? Is he just a man? Or is he something greater? Something more? Something that, that with his help, we can actually do the things 
that he's commanded us to do in this unbelievable message. So here's what I'd like to do. Can you guys do me a favor? Let's just do this way. Let's, let's just all kind of close our eyes. And um, again, this is not spooky or weird. It's just so we can focus, okay? I'm going to ask um, the board members if they would come on down and, and just be ready to pray with people over here on, on my left where we talked about guys. But, but the title of this kind of section, as we kind of closed this up, is, is basically the, this, this understanding, it's time to make a decision. We've, we, we've been through a lot over the last 12 weeks. We've, we've basically taken all summer. You know, here we are, the kids are back in school. It's, it's you know, we're, they, the, you know, hopefully soon the weather gets a little cooler. And, you know, it, it's time to make a decision. You, we've looked at these things as a family We've seen these, the teachings of Jesus. We've seen how Jesus has asked us as his followers to, to be and to live and to be like. And, and, and first and foremost, the question has to be asked. There may be individuals here that really you're at the end of the sermon and you're going, who is this man? I mean, sometimes one of the greatest things that we can do is we can allow Jesus to speak for himself and not rely on understanding who Jesus is through his imperfect followers. Okay? Jesus can speak for himself. We don't need to look at people to figure out who Jesus is. Yeah, we can maybe look at them and see characteristics, but they're still not perfect. One of the things that I wanted us to understand as we, as we went through all this is to really not just know what Jesus wants us to be and, and, and do, but also to know who Jesus really is. To understand his personality, to understand how he sees you and how he sees life and how he wants us to be, but to also see him. And to help bring people to that understanding and bring people to that place of decision that says... Was this just an unbelievably moral guy who had an unbelievable teaching that would be great if everybody followed, or is he Lord? And that's a decision we all have to make. So in a minute, the guys are up here. And if you want to make that decision, they can be here and they can pray with you and they can help you in that, that decision. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's you're kind of more like the people that Jesus was speaking on as far as people that have heard the word and they, 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 maybe you've always been around it. Maybe you've experienced it for, the, for, for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. But when you stop and you allow yourself to really look at your life, you realize that maybe... Maybe you're saying the right things, but you're not living them out. You're not doing the right things. Maybe you could say, but, but, but Aaron, I, I've done this for God, and I've given this to God, and I've, I've done that for God. And, and those were great things. Listen, listen, Jesus doesn't deny the fact that those people were being used by him. He doesn't say, no, you didn't do that. No, you didn't do that. He doesn't argue with them. He just says, listen, the way you live and you're living isn't what it needs to be. 
and you want to look and you want to say, you know what? I need to make some changes. I need to make some changes so that one day when I do stand before God, as we all will, he knows who I am. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to kind of rededicate yourself to him. Maybe for some of us, it's a situation where we have allowed other things or other people to kind of become our foundation. You know, it's so easy to fall in that trap, guys. It's so easy to allow other things to become what's so important. Even stuff that, that, that seems good. Listen, anything that takes the place of Jesus in our lives is an idol, and we need to understand that. We need to understand that the concept of idolatry is still just as relevant today as it was when Moses brought it down on the, on the rocks. And some of us are dealing with that, and it's time to allow God to kind of remove those things that need to be removed so that we can let Jesus and his truth and the obedience to his word be the most important thing. If the worship team wants to come on up, I'm going to pray, and, and we're just going to open up the altars, okay? And if it's that, it may be something totally different, okay? This is not, this is not exclusive prayer time, okay? If you say, hey, I, I need to pray about something, and, and it really isn't you know, necessarily about those things or whatever, it's okay. Those, we're, we're, they're up here to pray with you, okay? So don't feel like I can't, okay? But we want to agree with you. We want to pray with you. If everything's where it needs to be, you know, that's great. You can just begin to worship. But we want to give an opportunity for you to respond. We've been through this for 12 weeks. And again, the time for decision is now. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. Today is the day. Today is the day to allow God to work in your life. To allow God to do what he needs to do. And here's the thing, folks. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says there's something wrong with you or tries to shame you or guilt you. Don't listen to those lies. God loves you so much. And he knew from the very beginning of time that you would be here today with an opportunity to respond to his great love. So whether it's for the first time, whether it's, it's coming home, whether it's just allowing God to, to rearrange some things that need to be arranged in your heart and in your life, all of those things, or something totally different, your Father is waiting for you with His arms open wide, wanting to, to wrap His arms around you and change 
all that needs to be changed if you'll let him. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to say amen and John and the worship team are going to begin to sing and if that's you and you need prayer, go come find somebody down here, okay? If you want to just pray by yourself, you can do that too. Just kind of, kind of get through them there and there's, there's an altar there. You can kneel and pray. But don't miss this opportunity, okay? Don't miss this opportunity. Let's all stand and I'm going to pray and then John and the team will lead us. Father, we love you. And Jesus, you're so good. And Jesus, I thank you that, that we've had this opportunity as a family to look at this unbelievable teaching. Hopefully we've learned some things and seen some things that we haven't seen before. And, and hopefully we've been able to allow those things to change us. But God, really, we come to this place where we have to make a decision. Who are you, Jesus? Are you, are you just a guy who somehow miraculously was able to figure it all out? This carpenter's son from a little podunk town in Israel who somehow in six, eight, ten minutes, whatever it is, was able to communicate this unbelievable message. Or, Jesus, are you something more? Are you exactly who you said you are? You're God's son who came to die and rise again so that we could go from death to life, so that price could be paid. Because when we've sinned, we've messed up. The price, the wages that had to be paid was death. But you came, Jesus, and you offered yourself So that once again, we could be brought back into the family of God. All we have to do is accept that love and that forgiveness. And we can do that today. We can make that decision today. Or Father, if there's other needs, there's other situations, or there's people that need to come home, whatever it is, Father, I pray and I know your spirit right now is speaking and leading and drawing. So Father, I pray that you would draw them to yourself. That you would help them. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.